Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello and welcome back to Not Overthinking. Taymor, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. I actually just got off a call with uh, one of the Not Overthinking members who's going to be helping us out with some community organizing and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that was really good fun. He's in Singapore where they have to do like a two-year military service stint between secondary school, high school and university. And yeah, we were kind of talking about this. I, it always, like my friends at university who were from Singapore, they... So it struck me as like a lot more mature. I mean, they're like two years older, so that's part of it. But I think also like having this two-year period where you're outside of the education bubble just seems like a really valuable thing because for, you know, people like us, you just kind of go through school, which is very much like a, a bubble of being surrounded by people exactly your age, thinking exactly the same things as you. And then like immediately you go into university, which, you know, there's a bit, you know, maybe you interact with slightly older people a little bit, but you know, broadly, you, you're sort of stuck in this bubble of people exactly the same age as you, thinking exactly the same things as you. And having this sort of two-year stint in between high school and university, where you're out of that bubble, in the real world, interacting with people of all ages, you know, and, and so on, it just seems like a really valuable thing. What do you reckon? Yeah. One of my uh, one of my mates from med school <laughs> was also, is also Singaporean and was like three years older than all of us. And yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure we're more mature, but <laughs> I, I think I think it is it is like a valuable thing to do. Yeah, I guess it, it depends what you mean by mature. Like, I think so, you know, there's like a an interpretation of maturity which I think is very like naive and surface level of like, you know, oh, you don't laugh at like certain jokes anymore because you're mature or whatever. That's not really what I'm talking about. I mean, the thing that this chap was mentioning was that um, I think he's coming towards the end of his two year stint. And it's just been like a couple of years of sort of staring into the void and trying to figure out what you want from life and then like, you know, all, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, and I think there's a level of maturity that comes with that. Whereas if you're stuck in the education industrial complex without any breaks, then I don't think you really get that opportunity um, to to the same extent. And you're not, you don't really have to think for yourself at all. The path is just yeah. kind of laid out for you. Everyone else is doing stuff. You want the validation of your peers and you're kind of doing the same things and so on. Yeah, this is something. So I was I, w I was talking to our friend Paul, who is my Singaporean friend, like about, about this yesterday. Uh, we were we, we, we were just catching up and spitballing ideas around, you know, this, this question of how do you figure out what to do with your life, um, which I am a trying to figure out myself and b trying to figure out a framework for writing in the book. And one thing that he said, which was very interesting, was that he he said that you want to think about what's the playbook. And, and, and is there a playbook for the, for the area of life in which you're currently at? So I think when you're in school and you're, let's say, a nerd in school, the playbook is I want to get really good grades so I can get to a really good university. And it's a pretty clear path, path forward. Like, you know what you have to do to get there. Yeah. When you're at university, you know, or like certainly if you're a medical student, the playbook is I need to get through my exams. I need to try and do somewhat well. I need to maybe rack up a publication or two so I can optimize my chances to get a decent foundation year job six years down the line. When you're in that foundation year job, the playbook is, okay, I need to make it through the next two years and decide what specialty to do. And so uh, 
at, at each of these junctures, there's a very clear part, like yellow brick road laid out in front of you. And what he was saying to me is that, this is like, like, like even though I've kind of gone slightly away from the medicine thing and more towards this being a creator thing, he was saying that there is a playbook for the being a creator thing as well. It's you build an audience, you start off by repurposing other people's stuff, you maybe do some original insights of your own, you do YouTube, you get different platforms, eventually you write a book and then you become an angel investor and then you start doing the speaking gigs. And yeah. it's like <laughs> the, the playbook of the internet creator, entrepreneur, guru type thing. Yeah. And so what he was saying is that uh, w what I'm thinking about, what I'm thinking, like how do I actually want to design my life? If I do want to straddle these worlds of medicine and the internet, that is, there, there isn't really a playbook for that because very few people do that. Whereas if I want to go entirely one way or the other, there is a very clear playbook to follow. And so when you're in this sort of being pulled in multiple directions with, with multiple interests, you have to do a lot more original thinking about like, what do I actually want to do? And what do I want my life to look like without yeah. just blindly following the path laid out in front of you? Yeah, for sure. How do we get onto that? Oh yeah. Um, Singaporean friend. Oh, yeah. and spe speaking of blindly following the path laid out in front of you, this episode is brought to you by none other than Skillshare. I'm not sure why I used that as a segue. Uh, Skillshare, if you guys haven't heard by now, is a fantastic online platform with thousands of online classes covering all sorts of topics from design and illustration to business management, productivity, studying for exams. Uh, if you hit the link in the video description or you go to skillshare.com forward slash not overthinking pod, then... You can have access to all of my classes on Skillshare. There's like eight of them right now. And we're working on a ninth, which is coming out in two weeks time. I've got two themed around productivity, two themed around how to study for your exams, and one themed around how to be happier, taking lessons from stoicism. So if you'd like to sign up to Skillshare and support the podcast, then head over to skillshare.com forward slash not overthinking pod, and that will give you a free trial. And at the end of the free trial, the annual premium subscription is less than $10 a month. That is so much better for you than Netflix is, and you can genuinely learn a ton of really interesting stuff on Skillshare. So skillshare.com forward slash not overthinking pod, or hit the link in the video description. So thank you, Skillshare, for sponsoring this episode. Nice. How has uh, your week been, Ali? Hmm. How's my week been? I often have to look at my calendar when I'm doing this until I've done my weekly review. Broadly, broadly, the week has been pretty good. That was a bit of a stressful day on a Friday Whoa. where there were just like a few different things that piled up with like the YouTuber Academy course that we're, that we're in the middle of. Um, we had like a few kind of back channel grumblings where there was, there was some, some level of Chinese whispering that, hey, some people weren't kind of finding some aspects of the course as valuable as they would have liked or as valuable as they were hyped. Uh, and so me and Angus were like tearing our hair out, being like, what the hell's going on? Like, how do we solve this? And like really kind of, <laughs> I think probably I went a bit over the top in trying to think, oh my God, this is a problem. We need to solve it. And then I was chatting to some friends uh, and a business associates and they were like, look, people are always going to do some level of back channel grumbling and you can't read into it too much. Like if you've given the space for people to actually give you feedback, and no one has done it, <laughs> then you don't need to worry about back channel grumbling because it's just always going to happen. It's just how people are. And you don't want to, for example, if two people are just being like, oh, hey, this session wasn't, wasn't as useful as last session was, you don't want to try and fix things mid-flight, even though it's not a problem for like 99% of other people. Right, um, yeah. And so there was a, a little bit of a stressful day in that. Yeah, all these, these, these various things were piling up. But broadly, the week has been pretty chill beyond that. So what, when you say this back channel grumbling... Like, what's the extent of it? Is it like, oh, that lesson wasn't, was still really good, but not as good as last week's or? Yeah. 
Um, it was like, oh well, you know, so like like one of our students who we're kind of tight with says that, oh yeah, I was I was DMing one or two of the other students, and they were like, yeah, these particular types of sessions that we've been having haven't necessarily been haven't been as useful for like intermediate YouTubers because they seem more focused towards beginners, and you know, as intermediate YouTubers, we feel like we're not getting huge value from these sessions because they're run by other kind of beginners, mm. um, and that kind of stuff. And so I was being like, uh, I think it's easy to read too much into that and say that, oh my God, we're not catering to intermediate YouTubers at all. Um, and so we've added stuff to more directly cater to intermediate, intermediate YouTubers. I think uh, some, some, some aspect of it was also, I think just lack of clarity around what certain sessions are. So we have like these things called alumni supporter sessions, which are just a sort of rock up and have a chat and share any struggles and things like that. But because it's billed as that, like rock up and have a chat and share any struggles, like that's very nebulous. Like there isn't a clear, like what is the point of these sessions? Yeah. Whereas if we were to say that, look, these are sessions focused at beginners who are struggling with the, I don't know, with various aspects of being a YouTuber and you can chat with other beginners in the community, it becomes a lot more obvious. And so intermediate YouTubers will be like, okay, cool. It's not for me. That's fine. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So why um, did you feel stressed about that? Um... I mean, it was it was that and like one or two other sort of minor minor grumbles um, that like we don't usually have any grumbling at all. And so like <laughs> zero grumbling to sort of some grumbling felt like like a big change. And I was like, oh, my mm. God, what are we doing wrong here? Yeah. Um, so I think that was what led partly to the the fact that that felt a, bit, a little bit stressful. OK, that's fair. You win some, you lose some. Exactly. I started uh, taking my, my, my blog more seriously <laughs> this week. Mm. And it's been very fun uh who was it i was i had a chat with someone oh i had a chat with my storytelling coach matthew dix who uh wrote my, my favorite book of 2020 called story worthy which is all about how to become a better storyteller and we were chatting and he apparently has well he has been writing a blog post every day since 2003 whoa <laughs> yeah mental and some of these are quite short obviously but he says that yeah each morning i just you know i i, I think of a prompt like i recently i've been thinking about x and then i just write about it for half an hour and i just publish it on my blog and he was saying like there was like one day like three months ago where his daughter said daddy you haven't published a blog post and he was like i definitely have i've been doing it every day since 2003 yeah and he thought that he hadn't pressed the publish button and he had loads of oh. emails from people being like oh my god like where are you we thought you were dead like the fact that you didn't publish the blog post yeah um the other cool thing that matthew does is that every month like every every year he like defines his like 50 or so goals for the year and every month he does like a goals update where he just kind of shares his progress in each of these goals. I just found that like really, really, really inspiring because I looked through his list and it was, it was like an interesting list of goals. And some of them he succeeded at, some of them he failed at. And he said his hit rate, his success rate is around about 60%. And he said the real value in those goal sharing posts is the fact that it holds him accountable, but it also helps the audience, like the readers for his, of his blog, like it, it kind of normalizes failure. And so he gets a lot of emails from readers saying that, yeah, I love reading your blog posts each month because they help, they make me realize that failing at your goals is okay. And it's not the end of the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, that's, that, that's definitely an idea worth sharing. So like that night after my session with Matthew, I just sort of, you know, sat on the sofa with like this burst of inspiration and I sort of banged out <laughs> a, a blog post about like <laughs> why I'm taking blogging more seriously. And then banged out another one about like my goals for my March, 2021 goals update, yeah. which it's actually been like the most read post on a website for the last like week and people seem to be really oh, liking nice. it. And I was having a chat with um, some other mutual friends, just catching up with them. And like one of them was like, oh yeah, you know, I read your blog post. And it, was, it, was, it was really interesting. And I was like, oh my God, you actually read my blog post. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's such a nice feeling when someone says that they actually 
yeah yeah actually read the blog or listen to the podcast or like watch the videos yeah but not in the, in the extent that like it's i find it even more flattering when it's just casually mentioned that oh in that video like last week you said x and be like oh my god <laughs> you actually watched it <laughs> so yeah I, fi- I find that flattering but also offensive i think i tweeted about this and maybe i've brought it up on the podcast but if someone i know in real life like listens to the podcast or reads some of my stuff and then doesn't tell me about it until until a lot later on i find it very intrusive <laughs> it's like why would you listen to me for two hours in your ear and not drop me a message to say hey i'm listening to your podcast man <laughs> like why would you do that what a weird thing to do and this is yeah, probably if, why if, I, I i make a point to comment on all my youtuber friends' videos when if i've if i've seen seen the entirety of it <laughs> yeah because otherwise it just seems a bit dis- snaky like <laughs> yeah it seems it's snaky it seems almost deceitful <laughs> you know <laughs> i have a right to privacy <laughs> yeah yeah i read your blog i i, I read your blog post <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> thanks for letting me know <laughs> a solid five days later um yeah i sort of skimmed it um and i yeah i thought it was quite interesting that it seemed like for at least half of the goals you were just like yeah i haven't really been doing this or whatever um i think the abs one the wife one yeah there were a few others yeah i mean <laughs> i just thought i'd make a list of goals things that i want to get done in the year i didn't really follow any kind of smart goal framework for them or anything like that because partly I don't really care about that, 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 that sort of stuff. But it, it was just quite nice having, sort of writing down this like 2,500 word thing. I was like, oh yeah, these are my goals. And, it's, and now I've got it kind of codified on the internet. And so in a way, it makes it easier for me to know what I'm working on. Yeah. Like the fact that it's written down somewhere public. Interesting. I thought the, uh, I thought the way that you announced the blog post was particularly interesting. And I'd like to talk about that Certainly. somewhat. Uh, let, me, let me bring up the tweet. Can we just talk about your little video clips that you tweet on Twitter? What's the point of them? Do, does they do they do anything for you? It just seems to like clutter up your your tweets with I don't I mean, know. I did a drivel. I did a Twitter poll and like eighty five percent of people said they they like them. So oh, like, okay, fine, fine. I'm not a fan of them personally, but <laughs> like when I see other people doing clips like that, I mostly ignore it. But occasionally I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. I'll watch it, and then I think, huh. It's interesting that I actually watched this clip because normally I would ignore it. And like, if he hadn't put this clip out there, I wouldn't have gotten this piece of this, this nugget of whatever. Yeah. And so I feel like, oh yeah, I'm glad you do this, even though like maybe I only watch like one percent of the clips that you put up. All right, fine. All right, so I've, I have found the tweet. You said on the third of March, guys, I went a bit overboard and wrote a two thousand five hundred word update about my personal and business goals for twenty twenty one. Lol. Check it out here if you like, and then the link. I'd like to unpack that a little bit. All right, let's go for it. So there were two things that stood out to me about the tweets. Can you guess what they were? Overboard and lol. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why, why do you think those stood out for me? I think overboard and lol stood out for you because they, it sounds very apologetic. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think apologetic is a, is a good word for it. Um, yeah, it's like... A, it's a, it's a pattern that I think lots of people do, particularly when sort of publicizing something that they've just done. Mm. They'll, you know, they'll sort of do it in a very apologetic tone. Uh, so, you know, a really common sort of uh, way, way of doing it is like if you've, if you've written something, if you've recently made something or done something, there's this weird phrase that people say, which is, so I did a thing, <laughs> you know, they'll say like, so I did a thing. And then they'll like link to whatever, um, you know, whatever they've just done. 
And um, why, why did you do it? I felt like I've, I probably felt some level of some level of discomfort at the blatant self-promotion and some dude, level of dude can i can i can i stop you there <laughs> you literally have a youtube channel for a living <laughs> and you self-promote like or even on twitter with your little clips and stuff like how is it's, this different okay. <laughs> it's different because talking because writing 2500 words about my own personal goals is like a different form of self-promotion than writing 2500 words about how to be more productive Oh, okay. Because it's, it's more like personal and self-serving almost. Yeah, it's like almost like a public journal. Okay. Public, size, pro, pu- public private journal. And therefore, I felt like, I felt, I, I, I felt the need to give a nod to the fact that I was self-aware about the fact that this is a self-promotee type, a self-promotee slash like type thing. Therefore, the overboard and lol came into it. I see. If someone else who you followed, uh, I don't know, Tiago Forte, for example, if Tiago wrote a 2,500 word update about his personal and business goals for 2021, and he didn't uh, signal his self-awareness about how like self-indulgent that is, like, what would you think? If, if Tiago just like earnestly posts, hey guys, here it is, my 2021 goals update, let me know what you think. Like, would you think, oh man, what, what a prick. Oh no. How is self-indulgent? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. no self-awareness there. Uh, no, I would just be like, okay, cool, click, read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. So do you, do you like stand by it? Or do, do you think that was like a, yeah, do you, do you stand by what you did? That <laughs> no, sounds like you've committed a heinous crime, which, which you, you have to be clear. <laughs> insincerity is, is the most heinous uh, of I'm not, I'm not sure insincerity is the word that I would use. Uh, I would use. <laughs> Why not? Because you can be sincere about something while while also recognizing that it's a little bit it, while, while also recognizing that it's a little bit self-indulgent to write a 2500 word blog post in public about your own personal goals uh i think i was sincere but not serious i don't think you were sincere mate okay why why do you think i was not sincere because you felt the need to coat this in like a layer of not irony but a layer of sort of humor or something because you couldn't be earnest or maybe we should google some definitions here uh earnest means resulting from or showing sincere and intense conviction sincere means oh sure yeah i mean if that's sincere what means fr- free from pretense or deceit i feel like there was no saying, pretense saying what they around it there was just sorry the, the 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 strong conviction wasn't there but i don't like okay okay i guess you were sincere in the sense that you were genuinely insecure about this thing and you were signaling the insecurity by saying the overboard and the law so you were you were like you were being sincere in, in that sense yeah, yeah. but i <laughs> I'm always sincere in the things I do online, man. Um, but yeah, I guess like, do you stand by the insecurity? Like on the 2022 update, are you going to do the same thing? I think now, like if, like uh, now that I've done it a few times, like now that I've done it once, it will be less of a weird thing to like for me to do in the future. But like, if okay, l- let's imagine, let's imagine like pick a random, you know, a stereotypical hypothetical Twitter think boy that you, you like to rail against. I think part I of why no, you really... No, I don't I don't really get anyone, to be clear. <laughs> okay, sure. But, but but let's pretend there is like, you know, a Twitter think boy who is yeah. tweeting like with conviction fortune cookie tweets that are not based on any kind of personal experience, but they're, they're purely based on repackaging insights from Naval or James Yeah, Clare. Right. <laughs> I think I wouldn't want to do that. Like it's that's not that's not the impression that I want to give on the internet that I I am the sort of person who 
has so much conviction about the this secondhand experience that I will just put it out there as a tweet. I would I like you made video. Haven't you made videos? Literally, like these are the five takeaways I got from this book, or whatever. Yeah, but the, like, like like a video saying, "Hey guys, I really enjoyed this book, and here are five takeaways I got," is different to consistency is more important than intensity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Like fine. I could tweet, "Consistency is more important than intensity." Full stop. But it's just a different kind of vibe, and 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 that's not me, unless I feel like I've gained that insight from personal experience. Okay, okay. And then I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. And equally. Yes, I could say, hey, guys, here's my 2021 March goals update link. But I just think it's more it's more me to be like, hey, guys, lol, went a bit overboard. Here's my 21 goals update if anyone wants to read it, lol. <laughs> really? That's for you? <laughs> yeah, that's more authentic to who I am IRL than, guys, here are my, here's, my, here's my goals update. Like in a, in a social situation, I wouldn't just be like, right, guys, I'm going to update you about my goals. <laughs> I, Dude, not twi- twi- Twitter isn't a social situation. Uh, it kind um, of is. It's got it's got its own like in a way we're all signaling our personalities online, okay. and I tend to be more apologetic about the way that I portray myself online than other people than other people might do. I think that's fine. Hmm. Let me think about that for a second. It's something I'm having to get over in terms of this book writing process and like being unapologetic about being an internet guru <laughs> and being like a productivity guru or whatever. Right. Because I think. Historically, I've been good at repackaging insights from other people, and I feel that I don't have any original ideas at all. And I feel like everything I do is just sort of taken from someone else with my own like occasional spin applied to it. Right. But speaking to the people who are kind of help, helping me helping me out on the book front, this is like a a suboptimal way of, of thinking now because I do have quote original insights about the way that I live my life, and it's not entirely based on kind of what other people have said. And it's just recognizing that, okay, there is actually a layer of this is what I think and this and these are my kind of firm beliefs. Mm. Whereas it's easy to hide behind, hey, this is what Cal Newport said. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So now as I'm working with people to help craft the book proposal and, and the book and stuff, it's been a constant battle to be more okay with being with with having more conviction about things and actually recognizing that my opinion is valid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was I was saying this to my writing coach this week. We were we were talking about this, and I was thinking, and he was like, "Why do you feel like your opinion isn't valid?" I was like, "Well, because I'm writing a book about productivity, and like, you know, if if Elon Musk were to write a book about productivity, his opinion would be valid. Like, I am not Elon Musk, therefore, my opinion on productivity is not valid." Okay, I was like, mm, <laughs> "I think we should unpack that a little bit." And yeah, I think for me, the sort of alleged self awareness and uh, bordering on imposter syndrome, bordering on kind of wanting to be wanting to not be seen as like a brash american with like huge conviction like tweeting about stuff like american yeah, yeah, yeah. not yeah, wanting yeah. to be seen in that way because that feels not me i think i probably take that too far when it comes to things like the book mm. i think i do an okay job of it on the youtube channel because i'm comfortable enough on the in in the form of youtube videos to know that what i say has value whereas yeah. when it comes to writing a book or writing blog posts which are two things that i'm less used to okay yeah that's interesting yeah i guess they are different mediums yeah, I think partly why I was surprised was like, I, I, I was kind of thinking, look, I'd understand this if it was coming from, if this was the first time someone has put themselves out there on the internet and they're kind of shy about it or insecure about it, or whatever. And, and so they do the, oh, so I did, uh, I did a thing or whatever to, to try and um, announce it. But I just thought it was weird coming from you because you've obviously been doing this a while, but you're saying that writing a blog post doesn't feel at all like making a YouTube video. Yes. 
making a YouTube video. I, I made a YouTube video about my goals for 2021. I didn't need to hedge anything on there. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, whereas, yeah, the, the the medium of blog post, I think, was where the... Because it was just a bit different for me. Like, I, do, I don't write 2,000-word blog posts about about myself. <laughs> it's just not a thing. Okay. And so okay. that made it feel like more of a, hey, you know, this is pushing the boat out rather than it being like a standard part of my life. Hmm. Did it feel more like revealing than making a, a YouTube video about the same topic? It did, in a way. It did because seeing stuff on paper is like very different to just sort of having... A, it's like making a video about a topic that isn't like scripted, like my goals one were like wasn't scripted. Yeah. Making a video about that just kind of feels like chatting to a friend. It feels yeah. like not a big deal in the slightest. Yeah. Whereas putting it down on paper and publishing it as a, as a podcast <laughs> on a website feels more permanent, more legit, more like, okay, I actually have to think about this rather yeah. than I can just kind of say whatever the hell I want. Mm. So like I have no qualms about s s saying stuff on this podcast, but if I were to write those things down, I'd have to think harder about them. Yeah, well, yeah for sure. Yeah, I would need... And, and, and also just the medium of writing requires ideas to be more well thought out than the medium of podcast or the medium of video. I think there's a perception that the medium of writing requires ideas to be like more well thought out. But I mean, certainly there are plenty of people who do more stream of conscious style, blogging, journaling, whatever. I don't think it has to be that way. But yeah, I do think there is something more like if you're, you know, like we're talking on the podcast or whatever, there is uh, there's an understanding that the, the words are just like coming out of our mouths. We're not really thinking too much about this. But I think when you when you decide to write something, unless unless explicitly you're like, look, this is a stream of consciousness thing, like I don't edit this, blah blah blah, and, and I know some people do that, and it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Unless unless you're actually doing that, then you you are deliberately choosing all the words that you've said, and <laughs> there is something revealing about every choice that you've made for, for every every one of those words in that piece. <laughs> you know, uh, your soul is sort of is in there basically. <laughs> Like, it's very easy for me to say on a YouTube video, hey, guys, I'm trying to find a wife this year. Lol, I'm going to call it my wife quest. But putting that yeah. down on paper. <laughs> this year, yeah. I have decided to embark on the wife quest. Yeah, this dude sat at his desk yeah. and wrote the words wife quest. <laughs> yeah, it's different. It's different for sure. Okay, that is interesting. Speaking um, of, have you come across a book called The Rosie Project? No, what is it? Oh, it's really good. Um, I was listening to it this week slash last week and stayed up until like four in the morning just finishing it one night. It's apparently one of Bill Gates' favorite books. It's the story of this uh, genetics professor um, who has some variant of Asperger syndrome and how he's trying to find a wife. Uh, and he has this Whoa. thing called the wife project where he like, um, you know, sets up a questionnaire and does it. It's like remarkably relatable. I think I think you would enjoy it. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, it's really good. The Rosie Project. The Rosie, and the, it's the audio the, book. The Rosie Project. Huh? Audiobook. I mean, it's a book, but I listened to the audiobook. Nice. Yeah, that sounds great. I have two Audible credits sitting around, so I'll, um, I'll use that next. Um, Very good. Okay, so staying on this topic of, like, earnestness or sincerity in posting. Uh, yeah, I think, like, I'm just going to scroll through my own tweets. I think I like to think that I'm sort of authentic and sincere, but I do, I feel forces in directions. Like I'm, I'm very wary of being a think boy on Twitter, and I think I like I I steer too clear of, mm. of that because I I I just don't want don't like the idea of being thought of as a think boy. I think this is why you don't capitalize your tweets. I don't know about that. Okay, no. So I, I capitalize some of my tweets. Okay. So it de it depends what I'm tweeting. If there look a lot, some of what I tweet is like sort of genuine. Uh, yeah, look, like some some of the stuff I tweet is like jokes and shit posts and things, yeah. and not capitalizing those 
you know it's, it's yeah, part I mean, of the sense. medium it's part of the medium for for like the more straight up stuff i tweet for example a week ago i tweeted about like what do people mean when they say that they can feel the effects of coffee like that's not that's not like a joke it's not a shit post it's literally just me asking a question and interested to hear what people think okay and so I'll are you asking a in. question like asking a question is a different type of tweet than tweeting a statement okay I'll, i mean i can find you a statement how do you find the balance between x and y is an interview question that sounds sophisticated but rarely reveals useful answers yeah that was a statement i tweeted it with conviction no, yeah that was no, fair enough. no yeah so look i think i think i broadly am fairly authentic but i do feel i, I do feel forces of like anti-think boyness mm. for one and i'm trying to think what would i be what would i be apologetic about i think like i think when publicizing causal stuff on my personal twitter account i i I sometimes feel this thing of like, oh, I, I need to like, yeah, basically what you were saying about needing to signal self-awareness that you're like shilling or whatever or self-promoting. And I, and I, I feel a bit of that, but then I, I know, I know I'm feeling that and I know it's stupid and then I just kind of ignore it. And so like, I don't know, a week or two ago, you know, we're hiring a bunch of people at Causal. I posted about it from my Twitter, from my personal Twitter, uh, just pretty straight up, you know, but I, but I felt the, I felt the force of like, oh, maybe I should Maybe I should throw a joke in there, <laughs> you know, or something. I, d- I did feel it. I wonder if the throw the joke in there is the same. I wonder if it's the same mental process that runs for people who write hashtag blessed, hashtag so grateful kind of thing as a way of tempering the inherent <laughs> self-promoting nature of a certain thing. Wait, wait, wait. Do people use hashtag blessed and hashtag grateful non-ironically? Uh, people on LinkedIn do, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I don't know what these posts look like. Um, hang on. Think about this. Also, I have to I have to come clean. After the after the sincere and earnest um, post about causal hiring, I then reply. I then added a tweet to the to the thread saying, <laughs> "Forgot to add one like equals one respect." <laughs> <laughs> I like, and but no, I just to, just to defend myself here a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> By all means, I defend genuinely yourself, thought. Yourself. <laughs> I genuinely I thought of it afterwards and I genuinely thought it was funny like I don't I don't think I was doing that in order to like signal self-awareness or whatever I, ju- I just thought it was funny <laughs> like just the, the phrase one like equals one respect came to mind and I thought oh that's pretty funny <laughs> so I yeah just I promise just, your honor I didn't think of it at the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it wasn't premeditated <laughs> um what were you saying about hashtag grateful hashtag blessed on LinkedIn posts I think like for example hmm is it the same so like for example if i were to tweet just got accepted into harvard harvard business school it's a different sort of tweet than just got accepted into harvard business school lol omg i can't believe it which is a different sort of tweet to just got accepted into harvard business school so grateful for everyone who helped me on the along the way hashtag blessed not ironically yeah. <laughs> the, the i feel the the latter is more self-aware or more but wait, it's, wait, wait, it's, it's, okay, Hang on, sorry. The 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 latter two are more comfortable to tweet than just got accepted into Harvard Business School, which feels like pure unadulterated brag. <laughs> I think the brag needs to be adulterated by something. It needs to be tempered by some level of lol, can't believe it. Like, oh my god, so grateful, or ah, or you know, whatever. I don't know. I mean, so I th- I think like I don't think it necessarily needs to be a brag, you know. Like part of social media is sharing what's going on with your life with other people who ostensibly claim, claim to care what, what's going on in your life because they follow you on social media. And so if there's a meaningful life update, like just got accepted into Harvard Business School, um, 
yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you're bragging by saying that, but maybe you're not. Maybe, maybe you're just sharing this. Maybe, this sort but of like nice most thing. people would feel more uncomfortable about tweeting that than by following it up with a lol. OMG, I can't believe it. Or be like, <laughs> lol, I don't know how this happened. Or being like, embarrassed emoji, embarrassed emoji. Or you know. Okay, let's talk about the let's talk about the blessed the hashtag blessed angle of like sure. so grateful. I think it just feels uncomfortable to some people. Well, I feel like it feels uncomfortable to most people to just make a genuinely clear statement, especially if that statement could signal things that you don't, you'd rather not signal like self-absorption, narcissism or bragging. Uh, okay. Yeah. Look, I agree. I, I get it. I obviously get it. In this, in this case, like it would be a little bit weird just to, just to say, I just got accepted into Harvard business school because like, if you think about if you think about how, you know, what you, what you'd kind of be sharing with people there, you'd want to, sh- you know, you, you want to share like how you feel about that. Like if you, if you think about how you'd tell your friends that like you'd, you'd share like the feelings you have about the thing rather mm. than just like, you know, delivering some information. Right. Mm. And so like, I don't think like, you know, a bunch of exclamation marks or like, OMG, can't believe it. I don't think that is necessarily like trying to signal the self-awareness i think that can that can just be like a really earnest you know i'm just super psyched that i got into harvard business school sure um yeah i mean in that same sense me tweeting guys i, just, I went a bit overboard and wrote 2500 words about my goals lol that is signaling how i feel about the thing i did feel like i went overboard but like oh damn this blog post was longer than i thought it would be i thought it'd be like 300 words and the lol bit is just sort of it is signaling my genuine sort of slightly cringe response at doing the thing okay yeah yeah look i think Okay, so I think there's 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 different things that it's, it's worth separating here. I think what you the thing you did was relatively sincere in that you did feel insecure about this thing, and you were like, I okay, get okay, you don't like the word insecurity. What would you rather I say? Shy? I'm shy at all. Insecure is fine. Okay, you like you felt a little bit insecure about it. Spade. Yeah, you felt a little bit insecure about the thing, the blog posts um for reasons and you were sort of signaling the insecurity by the overboard and the lull in the tweet and in that sense that was fine and so the thing i was trying to get at was like why are you feeling insecure and do you stand by that and like you know hmm. discussing your feelings around that well, and that, that's stand by my insecurity i'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. wear my insecurity on my sleeve uh but okay yeah okay. There was, so that, there, that, was, there was a feeling of insecurity and that feeling of insecurity was signaled by the use of the word lull and overboard yeah in the tweet um so that's one thing. I think, I think that's you know that's fine. It, you know, call it a spade a spade. You know, good on you for doing it. I think another phenomenon is more is more around the forces that I uh, that I mentioned around like not wanting to be a think boy or whatever. And um, I think like if you if you look at how some people tweet, there there's definitely like a certain manner to it in mm. terms of like um, in terms of the tone and, okay, and things so like, like that. Let's find some examples for the audience who might not be as familiar with certain bits of Twitter like that you and I are. I think, I think, I think there is a term, there's a term that like basically describes what I'm trying to get at, which is called poster's brain. Have you, have you heard this? No. What is that? Are you, are you familiar with the term posting or poster or like post, post as a... As distinct from page or... No, post as in like from the verb, like to post online. I mean, yeah, like, I thought that, that was what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, a poster is like a, oh my, let me, all right, I'm going to have, I'm going to try and find the Urban Dictionary. So for example, okay, let me find you a Liz Brunig tweet. Do you remember who Liz, Liz Brunig is? She's the best person on Twitter. Uh, 
The annoying thing is that she has her tweets set to auto-delete after like three days or something. <coughs> oh, it's not even on her addiction. Okay, basically, I think if you spend enough time in whatever subcultures online, you it'll it, it starts to rewire your brain a little bit in terms of what you think about, how you think about that thing and how you interpret that thing and how you communicate that thing. And so if you, for example, like there are a bunch of people on tech Twitter, for example, who post like really sort of, uh, <laughs> sort of like uh, kind of like snarky, ironic takes about like tech stuff or whatever. And like that, that will have like a, a very certain tone and a very specific brand that, that that's coming across. And I think in real life, these people are probably not actually, you know, they're not like that. And, and that's fine. But my point is that like the, there are these forces that um, sort of influence how you choose to come across online. And, and yeah, I, I, I often feel if I'm like, if I'm tweeting something, I feel like I need to coat it in some kind of joke or some sort of irony or something like that. Um, just because like does it feel weird just to like be sincere about it i can't remember I it feels, because like it feels weird if you're <clears throat> if it's not currently part of your brand in a way like and i think that just comes from from practice like for example if naval or james clear were to tweet something they wouldn't you you wouldn't expect <clears throat> them to put like lol in it because they're just very seem seemingly comfortable with just giving advice and people resonate with their advice in that format and given that their Twitter accounts are entirely full of that, just giving advice, it, if it's part, it's just part of the authenticity and the overall brand, brand image. Whereas if you were to tweet consistency beats intensity, <laughs> it would, it would just be a little bit odd. It would be yeah. not the sort of thing you would normally say. And so you'd have to be like, look guys, this is not the, no <laughs> this is not the sort of thing I normally say, <laughs> but trust me, consistency beats intensity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas if James Clay was to say, this is not the sort of thing I normally say. People would be like, bro. If I were to make a video about how I'm getting in touch with my inner feelings to find my values, I would have to preface it with, look, guys, I know this is going to sound weird and I know I don't normally talk about this stuff, but dot, dot, dot. Whereas if at Spiritual Mind Valley were to, were to make a video about the same thing, it would be that there would be no need for prefacing. I see. Why would you feel the need to preface that? I mean, it's true that it's not normally the thing, you, normally the well, kind yeah. of thing you talk about. But why, why do you need to draw attention to that? Does it feel like you're sort of getting outside your lane or something? Or yeah, to signal that I'm going outside my lane. Hmm. And for the people that are like me, i.e., my audience, it's a case of like, okay, guys, look, this is not the stuff we 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 normally think about. But 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 trust me on this. Bear with me. Watch this video. Watch it through to the end. Smash that like button, and you'll learn something at the end of it. Smash that like button. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that a joke? Was that like yes. a joke? <laughs> well, maybe this is just how you talk now. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Conan has a really funny bit where uh, this is true of his podcast. Uh, he talks about how how like sometimes when he's just hanging out socially at like a dinner or something, um, he you know he he'll sometimes have to sort of you know take lead of the conversation if no one else is taking lead. And, you know, he'll, he'll like entertain people. He'll tell some jokes and, and just by sort of instinct, if he tells a joke that gets some big laughs, he'll follow it up with, let's take a break. Don't go away. <laughs> because that's like what on his show, what he'd do is after you make a big joke, that's when you cut to the, the ad break and you'd say like, you know, we'll, we'll be back. Don't go away. <laughs>
Yeah, I have a, I have a similar tick in real life where it's like if I say something and then I kind of stump and then I stumble on my words, <laughs> stop, do a little clap. Wait, do you actually? And then do the thing again. <laughs> do you actually do that in real life at all, or like as a joke or whatever? Uh, occasionally, I do it as a joke. I think there was one time where I did it just like accidentally. <laughs> I was like, oh my god! <laughs> wow, where was that? Completely mortified. I can't remember. This was like probably about a year ago, and then I had to. I I I feel it was because I was talking to another YouTuber. Um, and I, and I, and I feel like it was, it was on a topic that I usually talk about in videos. <laughs> and so just like, you know, this little clap or like, oops. <laughs> and, and then you've got to leave that little pause so that the editor can then like, cause it's really hard to, clap right, the, yeah. you know, someone. <laughs> yeah. I can just imagine you, you sort of, uh, interjecting with Angus, let's cut the last 10 seconds out, <laughs> like in the, in the middle of a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> You know, whoops, and can we have an emoji coming up over there and then a lower third in the middle? Yeah. <laughs> nice. I think, I think we talk about like sincerity and earnestness on, on social media. Um, yeah, I just, I think like, you know, have to be sincere. I think like a lot of people on Twitter certainly are playing some kind of character. Like a lot of the really funny people are definitely like playing some kind of character and they won't be like that in real life. And that's fine. Like, it's, it's fine to do that. But I think there's just like a general fear of being earnest and sincere, man. It's just, it's hard. It's hard for us to do. And it shouldn't be that way. Why is it? Why do you think it's hard? I feel like it's, it's hmm. Is it just like, is it similar to that? some vulnerability. Yeah. The fear, fear of putting ourselves out there. Episode two or four or whatever it was of the this pod, um, where it takes a level of, yeah, vulnerability, confidence, and a, a level of, I don't care what people think, a level of, I'm open to be, being criticized for this. I think the the fear of being sincere and earnest is sort of sort of like hedging, <laughs> where mm. if you've shown that lol, I wasn't taking this, I, I wasn't really, t- you know, I wasn't really trying lol. Um, yeah, yeah. You are less likely to be lambasted <laughs> by the commenters for having the audacity to try. The 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 crabs in the barrel are less likely to drag you down if you <laughs> if you don't look as if you're making a sincere effort to jump out of the barrel, <laughs> right. If you just sort of look up and kind of scratch occasionally and then you occasionally kind of being, you know, go up the barrel, look around a bit and come back down. Yeah. Again. <laughs> you're not really pushing, you're not really rocking the boat. <laughs> I see. Yeah. yeah. But I feel, I feel like this is why starting a YouTube channel is quite hard. Um, yeah. In a way, more so than starting a podcast or writing a blog is hard because you're putting more of yourself out there. On the YouTube channel because of like your on face and stuff. Yeah, because it's like your face and stuff. And so many people are like, oh, I don't, I have a discomfort with showing my face online. I yeah, have a yeah, discomfort yeah. with even revealing my true name online. And I want to do YouTube, but I don't want to show my face. It's like a very normal thing. Really? Oh, yeah. okay. It's like a huge insecurity of a lot of people. It's also a big part of, um, I, I, I hear it a lot from, I mean, I, I hear it a lot from like girls with Muslim sounding names. And you can kind of see why that would be the case. What do you mean? As in, like, I, 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 most of the messages I've got on, on Instagram from people saying, hey, I want adv- or email, I want advice for starting a YouTube channel, but I don't want to show my face, has been the name of a, a, it has been a Muslim girl name. Okay. Which kind of makes sense, given the background of, like, conservatism and the background of, like, well, you know, <laughs> the, the, all, all of the various baggages associated with that. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Do you, have, do you dig into, like, why, I why they want to start a YouTube channel? <laughs> oh, okay, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like, do you... My thing on the, my thing on the name front is, is, is usually, I don't, I don't usually dig in. Like if I were doing a one-on-one consultation with someone, I would dig into it. Yeah. Um, I think, who was it I was speaking to? Uh, one of my friends from uni is a Muslim girl, uh, and said that I don't want my face to be on a YouTube channel. 
and yet was okay with her face being on other people's YouTube channels. So I was like really trying to dig into this being like, okay, what's, that's interesting. yeah, what, what's going on here to, to the point that she, that she got like upset was like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Just like drop it. I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> I think like, I think there is judgment, you know, like people would judge these things in a certain way. Mm. Like I, I can imagine if you're like a Muslim girl from a conservative background, you know, people might, might sort of judge you if you, um, you know, have a, have a YouTube channel where you put your face out there and then, you know, people might be like, well, well what is she doing? You know, what, what is this? Like, it's, it's not the proper thing or, or something like that. Mm. So like, I, I, yeah, I think like there is, there is definitely a lot of judgment. It's, it's not like, it's not like people are crazy and it's just all in their head that like, this is scary or whatever. I, I think there are actually, there, you know, there is actually judgment and consequences that can come from these things in, uh, in many instances. Yeah. I think, I, I feel like a part of it as well is, like in the last 12 months, I know like lots and lots of people who have started YouTube channels or started like Instagram IGTV accounts where they're like talking about themselves and, you know, this sort of stuff. And I have been in conversations where people that I know have been hating on those to a degree that like, oh my God, did you see yeah, John yeah. slash Jane? Usually it's Jane. Did you see that Jane has started a YouTube channel? Oh my God, like what, what, what what's yeah. going on there? Why so is everyone cringe, yeah. you, you know? Or yeah. did you see that thing that Jane posted on Instagram? Lol, it sounded so cringe. And I always yeah, yeah, I think like, people yeah, oh. <laughs> people do say this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, there is a, a big element. Like it's, I think, I think it's 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 easy to over over index on the thing of you know don't worry about what other people think of you because they just don't spend any time thinking of you. But if if we're the sort of person who knows people slash are the sort of person who would look at our friend Jane starting Instagram and, and answering questions about X and thinking, oh, then yeah, who, who it's going to be a choose, lot yeah. harder for us to do the same thing and put ourselves out there in any capacity because yeah. we know that there is a human tendency to judge. Mm. Whereas if you are, and, and I would argue this is the, the correct way to live, if you see your friend posting something on Instagram and your response is, well done, mate, as opposed to, oh, what's going on? That, yeah. That's a much more conducive way of actually being, being more okay with taking risks and putting yourself out there yourself. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think the crab the crabs in the barrel analogy is just really good. I think we talked about this on episode 2 um as well where it it feels weird to watch somebody you know sort of change in some way. Hmm. And yeah, people people don't like it, man. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the response to it is very it's it's almost like the analogy that comes to mind is like the phenomenon the, the the phenomenon of slut shaming yeah yeah and the equivalent for guys which is the oh he must be gay um is that the where, equivalent for guys yeah 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 i mean it's 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 not entirely equivalent but okay there was, fine. There, there was there was this great thing i was i was reading about like that was comparing and contrasting these two phenomena and they're both based around feeling threatened by this other person feeling threatened by their generally higher than yours pr prowess in the sexual marketplace and therefore trying to invalidate that by either saying they're a slut or by saying they're gay. I think... Oh, I see. I feel they talk about this in The Elephant in the Brain or in, in one of these books that we've discussed recently and about how this is like a psychological defense mechanism against like, oh, you know, she has dressed up nicely and looks good, therefore she's a slut. Or he has dressed up nicely and looked good and looks good, is attractive and charismatic, therefore he's gay. Yeah, right, yeah. You don't have to... You know, we're not, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not competing in that market anymore. I'm gonna I'm gonna remove them from the from the competition in my in my own head. Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of 
it, it's it's somewhat analogous when it's like oh she has started a youtube channel slash instagram page oh that's so cringe like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like probably there is an element of i kind of wish i could do the same mm. um and an element of like oh i don't want to have to think about the fact that i kind of wish i could do the same therefore i'm going to tear this person down yeah, yeah, yeah. even though they are the proverbial pro- proverbial man in the arena yeah yeah that's really interesting actually i think that yeah that's a good analogy i i wonder like with the current sort of generation of <clears throat> teens and so on where you know everyone wants to be a youtuber or whatever it's like you know it's it's like everyone like watches this stuff Every, everyone is like into this stuff i wonder if there's the same amount of baggage attached to it like is it is it weird and cringe if like your mates you know if if you're like 12 years old and your mate is starting to you know streaming Fortnite or something or dancing to yeah is that is that like weird and cringe or mm. is that is it sort of normalized it's it's i don't know it's like it's like if you're at university and someone applies for an internship like it's it's not cringe to me <laughs> like, or if, or like, if you're in secondary school and someone applies for an internship yeah that's maybe cringe, <laughs> a bit more cringe yeah. <laughs> like yeah if if um if if a sort of young teen is getting into tiktok or whatever like do, do what are the other what their peer groups sort of drag them down or is it just like so normal and so valued that it's like, yeah, you know, they're doing the thing. Good for them. I remember I was I was listening to a Charlie D'Amelio interview once where <laughs> this, the, this question was asked and, and she was like, yeah, I started dancing on TikTok and I was really scared. I, I, I didn't want to tell anyone that I started doing mm. it. And so even then, which which would have been like two years, two years ago, probably. Yeah, there yeah. There was an element of this is cringe. No, but look, a lot. Of, I mean, a lot has changed in two years. <laughs> yeah, no, quite. For example, we now know who Charlie D'Amelio is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think a lot has changed in those two years, especially with TikTok. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if that would be considered cringe. Uh, if you are a, a teenager and uh, you have any thoughts about what we're talking about, would, would be curious. Like, if your friend started YouTube or TikTok or Twitch, would would that be cringe until they reach some level of scale, or would that be like fairly normal and um, esteemed thing to do? I genuinely think we should we should get a kid on the podcast who understands social dynamics, this the sort of social media dynamics. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Just like un- unpack this a little bit more because I'd love to yeah. hear from like a thirteen year old about like what is the, you know <laughs> what's life on the ground like. Yeah. <laughs> How's the weather down there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do the real people live these days? Yeah, I feel like we should uh, we should just have like an an annual update from like yeah. what are the kids up to nowadays i mean i think things are changing so quickly it probably needs to be like a quarterly update yeah. um, <laughs> every quarter we have a, we have a 13 year old come on the podcast and we just have like a panel yeah. <laughs> um one th- well on on that note wh- one thing that i on a on a somewhat related note I, g- I got an email a few weeks ago from a youtuber with like i don't know 400k subs or something like that who wanted to have a chat just because she was like hey you know i, I make videos and i'm kind of in the sim- similar productivity type thing i'd love to have a chat with you and just you know share some ideas i was like cool hopped on a zoom call with her turned out she's 14 and it was like a very very like standard you know good vibes youtuber talking to youtuber conversation but when my when like some of my team members saw this and when Sheen saw this, I was, I was talking to a 14-year-old YouTuber of a Zoom. There was like a real response of, oh, my God, you can't possibly do that. How, you know, how can you speak to someone under 18 over Zoom? And I was, I was completely baffled by this. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, yeah, this is a YouTuber who has reached out where we're sharing advice about YouTube. And he was like, yeah, but, you know, anything could happen over a Zoom call. Like, what the hell is going to happen over a Zoom call? Like, right. I, the, the, I, I, I was very surprised by the, the, the very strong negative reaction that, like, Sheen and one of my other team members, who's also a girl, had, had to this. 
did you dig into it? Like, what what, what were their thoughts? Um, I, I think it would be, it would have been different if you're if you're proactively reaching out to fourteen year olds to have Zoom calls, but that's not what's going on, right? Like the they reached out to you, you agreed to a Zoom call. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think it was it was it, it was hard to get at like what the actual problem with this was, other than no, Ali, this is wrong. Um, think about think about your image. You know, she could say anything about you. She could say that something inappropriate happened over the Zoom call. Yeah, or words to that effect. Um, and therefore, you do not want to. Therefore, you want to have a chaperone when you if you're if you are on a Zoom call with anyone under the age of eighteen. It just seemed like an I don't know. Is it is it reasonable? Is it a, is it weird? It's it it seems absurd to me to have that that restriction. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so it was more from the angle of like you should protect yourself in this situation from like from false allegations. Know, yeah, that was that was that, 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 that was the angle. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you should be. Maybe you should protect that. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's a I was thinking wild that, world yeah. out there. Exactly. The 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 automatic Zoom call recording feature. Right, yeah. And also being like, okay, like, this might be weird that I'm recording the Zoom call, but <laughs> trust me, <laughs> this is what this is what my team say I should do, just in case. I don't know. That is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I had a chat with a, I think I think a 14 year old boy a couple of months ago. We listened to the podcast and stuff, and wanted to yeah, talk about things. I I didn't feel um, I didn't have anyone around me saying that that was a weird thing to do or that I shouldn't be doing that. Um, yeah. I think it's fine. If it was a 14-year-old girl, do you think that would have been a different response? Possibly, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, I mean, I do sometimes um, worry about this a little bit. I mean, I, I'm I'm surprised at your openness to, like, going on, like, a date with someone who slides into your DMs, who's, like, a complete rando. Because, I mean, over especially... At, over 18. Yeah, sure. Especially, at, like, your, your scale. Hmm. I don't know. It just seems very easy to get caught up in to get caught up in a dodgy situation. I mean, I, I've, I've had a, a, a few situations like that where, you know, someone who in, enjoys my work online, you know, slides into the DMs, wants to get to know each other better, go on a date or whatever. And there is definitely a level of hesitation there because there's absolutely no social proof around, um, like, who this person is, you know, what their intentions might be, and so on. Um, I think, like, if you meet someone in real life, it's typically through some kind of, you know, social social connection, whether that's like through mutual friends at a party, through you know work, whatever. There's there's, there's always some there's social fabric proof of work. <laughs> yeah, there's proof of work. There's like some social fabric where you know that there is going to be a cost if like <laughs> someone does something stupid here. Like there's going to be a social cost to it. But when it's like a complete rando and you have no, there's no social fabric connecting you, and you have like no sense of their sort of yeah anything about them, then there isn't really a cost. For someone to do something stupid um whatever that whatever that, that might entail and so if i definitely have a lot of hesitation around that and i'm surprised at how little hesitation you seem to have around that um hmm. what do you what do you mean like is it not somewhat equivalent to let's say meeting someone while you're on holiday somewhere where you're both in like a hostel together there's no real social fabric connecting you other than the fact that you happen to have stumbled like stumbled into the same hostel um yeah i guess i guess that's different because it's more like it's more sort of symmetric yeah and and serendipitous uh whereas yeah in the other scenario yeah and like i mean the kind of thing sorry go on there's a good uh there's a good story i came across which is that um it was it was it was was someone talking about like fame and people actively reaching out to you and how how you know whether someone is a scammer 
And yeah. the, the thought experiment or the story was that, look, if you were to walk into any Starbucks and you were to give your car keys to someone and say, hey, I need to go to the toilet. Can you look after my car keys? <laughs> yeah. They would do it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people are nice. But if someone were to come up to you and say, hey, I'm going to look after your car keys. <laughs> at that point, you've so much, you've so, <laughs> you're so nailed down into the sort of, you're not, that population average of people are, people yeah, are nice yeah. no, no longer applies in that situation. Yeah. And so I sometimes think about that in the, in the sense of if someone's actively outreaching to me or you and saying, hey, I want to go on a date, the chances that they are weird are increased relative to the population average. Whereas, whereas if I were to say to a random person on the street, hey, would you like to go on a date? Chances are they're a normal person. Yeah. And it, it's tricky because... I, I don't want to discourage people reaching out to other people on the internet. I think it's a great thing. I think like more people should do <laughs> it. More DM, man. <laughs> <laughs> Keep sliding into my DMs, lady. <laughs> um, no, but like, <clears throat> it's, I think it's something that people feel weird about naturally. Like, you know, in, in a lot of the DMs I get, particularly from, say, like a girl who wants to meet up, it, it usually starts off with, look, I know this is really weird. I hope this isn't creepy. Like there's like so much caveating around that. And I think that's unnecessary. And I think there shouldn't be. And people shouldn't feel weird about it. But I think like from the receiving point of view, there is definitely like a higher likelihood of. Yeah. And so weirdness. someone says, I know this is weird. It just. I guess. Like a, yeah, I guess maybe that helps. Yeah. I mean, that actually does the, help. The, this is like a standard thing in like the pickup artist <laughs> literature in that if you're approaching a girl on the street and saying, hey, I think you're cute, and do you want to go on a date? That is weird. Like, that is not socially normal. And therefore, right, you right. do have to signal and be like, look, this is totally random, but dot, dot, dot. Yeah, you have to or acknowledge that this is... You have to acknowledge thing, the weirdness right? of the situation to show that you yeah. have some level of, like, social skills and you're not just a complete, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're disregarding the, the, the fabric of society. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in your... Yeah, I mean, in, in your case, I'd just be, like, concerned that, you know, let's say, like, you know, you, you, you know someone slides into your DMs, you go on a few dates or whatever... And things don't end up working out for whatever reason, you know, things go south. You know, even among like, you know, reasonable and compassionate people, there's plenty of instances where, you know, when a relationship ends, there is some level of animosity from one side towards the other. Um, sometimes I'm sure, I'm sure it's warranted in some cases. I'm sure it's not warranted in some cases. And I would be worried about the idea of like, if I were a public figure like you, if I had like, you know, gone on a bunch of dates with someone, things didn't work out. I would be worried that if there is some level of animosity between us, they now have, I don't know, like text messages and things sent from Ali Abdal, <laughs> the YouTube guy. <laughs> and, you know, that's a, it's, it's a scary thing because like they can do what they want. They could post those on Twitter. They could, you know, all sorts of things, right? I would be really concerned about that. Um, on the text messaging thing, it does cross my mind. Which is why I, I, I try and keep my text messaging game to a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> For safety. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm going to avoid making any particularly risque jokes over a text message. <laughs> right. right. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I think I am, I am conscious about the kind of screen, screenshot culture. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, I saw the funniest, uh, I saw the funniest uh, Instagram thing. Uh it was <laughs> just give me a sec <laughs> it's a it's a picture of a guy kind of tapping on his forehead like you know telling you to sort of be smart <laughs> and the caption is before you enter her dm think about how it would look as a screenshot <laughs> <laughs> so good nice <laughs> so true yeah like that's the only extent to which I, I i think about this yeah okay 
I, I think I, it's a, it's a sensible I thing. I feel like overall, uh, this is something that Tim Ferriss talked about. He, he wrote like a very interesting blog post a few months ago called why, like eight reasons why you shouldn't get famous and about how all of the like tons and tons of issues that he's had um, in terms of like in, in the dating world where like, you know, a journalist will pose as like someone wanting to date him to try and get like dirt on him and write an article about it. That, hey, I went on a date with Tim Ferriss. That's what it was like. And, you, yeah. you know, like that level of stuff. What the hell? Yeah. And he said that for a long time. It just like sort of made him so yeah, I'd, I'd be terrified. Yeah, yeah. Opening himself up to anyone or anything just because like, what if it's a, you know, undercover yeah. journalist? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the, yeah, the, he, the, there was even well, a thing with him where he was saying that he travels under an alias uh, and he books his flights under like a fake name and, and, and hotels under a fake name and stuff like that. And one time he landed in some country where there was a taxi driver with Timothy Ferris written on it. And he immediately knew that that could, that was definitely a kidnapping because he never, he didn't use the real name for the actual oh taxi that God. he hired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 um, and so as soon as he saw that, he just like went straight back into the thingy, like, and like called security and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, Shit. So it's all like feels kind of scary, but I don't know. Yeah. He mentioned on his recent episode with, um, with Kevin Rose, who's like a old time friend of his where Kevin was actually interviewing Tim on Tim's podcast. He said that like, when 80 when 80% of the people who you meet have already googled your name it's just i, I think i think the phrase he used was fucking weird <laughs> when like you know you know that 80% of people you you meet in real life like know who you are and will have googled your name um it's just like a very strange place to be hmm yeah that is interesting like i i went on hmm like sometime last year i went on a few dates with someone from hinge and it's like <laughs> Hard to know to what extent they've Googled my name. <laughs> right, um, yeah. Uh, uh, to, to the point where I was, to, uh, you know, it was, it was, I think the question was something like, so what's your plan for the rest of the day? I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I've got to go home and, you know, filming, filming a video about, about thing, about, about some topic. And she was like, oh yeah, I saw that you did that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh. <Uh-oh. laughs> yeah. Um, so, but, it, but it also feels weird to bring it up in, in, in a sense of, yeah, so I don't know if you've seen, but like I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. a, I make YouTube videos, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a big deal. And yeah. how much of that are you aware of? <laughs> exactly <laughs> that kind of vibe, and sort of just, just trying to, trying to put a feeler out there. Yeah, because yeah. like the internet thing is such a big part of my life that it's almost hard to talk about stuff without bringing it in, yeah. in some capacity. Yeah. Um, but like being too coy about it, just sort of being too casual and mentioning it, or I always feel like, am I? Do they think that I'm assuming that they will have seen that they would have seen right, the video? Right. <laughs> Slash, would I, like, if I knew for a fact they didn't, they hadn't, what I would have given more context about this. Right, right. Yeah. But if I do now give the context about this, it signals that, hey, you know, I take myself too seriously, you know. Mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You tell, you know. <laughs> it's a little bit odd, but it's, it's kind of funny. The price of fame, mate. The price of fame. Exactly. Or I just got a calendar notification for a call in 10 minutes, so I think we should wrap this up. Nice. Um, um, we'll read out a review. I'm going to mint my own NFT next week. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't. I don't actually understand that stuff. What is it? Uh, no, me neither. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I, I'm going okay. to understand it and then mention an NFT about it and then make a video about it. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you know, but I I make videos on YouTube. Uh, all right. This is a nice review about you. It's entitled Ali Abdal is my guy. Five star reviews. Literally the best podcaster. The goat. Did I read this out last time? I feel like we. I've heard this one before. Unless the oh, guys. Okay. Okay. And pasted it. All right. Next one's about me. Then fine. The title is Tamor. The body is is funny. Five star review. <laughs> Thank you to uh, not alone anymore. Wait, that was it. Tamor, the body is funny. No, the title of the review was Tamor. The body, the content was is funny. Oh, 
It's I like Team War is funny, not Team War the <laughs> body has funny. Body. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna get bored with that. Speaking of, uh, I recently got one of these uh, these bad boys. <laughs> what is that? An hourglass? Yeah. What's funny about? Why is that relevant? I feel like it, 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 isn't this something you often complain about that you have an hourglass figure? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were gonna talk about <laughs> just announce that to the world. Why yeah. did you <laughs> explain the joke? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I used to be insecure about my hourglass figure. I'm okay with it now. Nice. All right. right. Um, Cool. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics, we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum, question, or just anything that we could discuss. Yeah, if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion, email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. If you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly, that's fine as well. Tweet or DM us at N Overthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.